Welcome to Fast Growth Stories, the straight-talking guide for entrepreneurs who want to grow quickly and secure funding. Brought to you by EHE, where entrepreneurs help entrepreneurs. Hi everybody, welcome back to another episode of Fast Growth Stories, the EHE podcast. I am delighted to be joined by two friends and colleagues today from the Startup Factory, James Brooks and Rupert Rutledge. Hi both, how are you? Very well, thanks. Nairi, how are you? Good, thank you. Hi Rupert, are you okay? Yeah, I'm good, thanks Nairi. First time on the EHE podcast, is it for both of you? Yeah, I mean, I'm too busy doing from the factory floor usually and being the host, so it's quite nice to be uh, sat on the other side of the table and just being able to relax a little bit. And just, you can't yeah, come on a- here start promoting your own podcast within... Yeah, it's called Cross-Selling Nairi. It's fine. We're all part of a big, wonderful group now. I'm doing it at the beginning. Goodness me. Yeah. Rupert, you got anything you want to promote or sell? <laughs> no, not, not, not the moment. Apart from the TSF podcast as well, obviously. Oh, um, all right, I'll let you off. I'll we're all well trained here. You've done a good job, Nairi. That's, that's, that. We're just showing that. All right, thanks. All right, I'll let you have that one then. <laughs> so we're going to talk today about due diligence and the role it plays in the in the funding process and also in the fast growth process. We have done a due diligence podcast with Guy and Ian Brooks from the Startup Factory in the previous series. So I will link that in the description box. That was very much aimed at investors talking about the due diligence offering that TSF provides. What I thought we could talk about today or what you two are here to talk about is looking at it from an entrepreneur's point of view. And just perhaps walking us through why due diligence is important, what investors are looking for, why entrepreneurs need to have it, and most importantly, how it assists in the fast growth process. Just before we kick off, I just wondered if you could both give a bit of a background into your roles at TSF and just talk about some of the due diligence work that you've done previously or what what your involvement would be. Yeah, so I work as a tech lead at TSF, helping founders bring their technology vision to fruition. On the side of that, I also work with James and the rest of the team in going and doing DDs on different companies that are being sort of prospected for investment. And then I'm the head of projects at TSF, so handle all the non-tech things day to day. And as Rupert said, go up do to go and speak to companies who are looking to have DD done whether that's through investment, whether that's through their own wanting to scale up. I think that's one of the things about DD is that as much as most people do it when they're looking at going for that, whether it's the sort of Series A round of funding, there is the other part of it, which is some startups do actually look at this as something they're looking to scale up naturally and want to know where their gaps are. And that's something that we have done as well when we look at some of the companies we've worked with in the past. Obviously, the main the investors looking for uh, that first raise. Yeah, particularly I, I'm coming at it from the engineering perspective. So if, if it's sort of a uh, preemptive DD being done prior to an investor actually looking at the company, we can look at it from a specific engineering perspective and say, look, you're going to struggle to scale from this angle for this reason and try and advise on that as well. Brilliant, which hopefully then makes the investment due diligence a bit smoother, I would think, from an entrepreneur's point of view, if they've already done that preemptive work with you? Very much so. I mean, the point of a DD isn't, isn't to try and trip people up. I think that's the sort of thing people need to remember when when you're looking at a DD, people coming in to do this aren't looking to trip you up. They're not looking to close the book and say, we shouldn't invest in you. And that's not what we do. What we're really looking to do is help you identify where the gaps are and allow you to have the opportunity to say, we're aware of this, 
we're addressing this. And that then all goes into the investment case of we've identified the gaps. Here's the answers that they've given. Here's the risks associated with them. And then it's over to the investor to really then go through that, whether more work needs to be done or whether they're happy to proceed on that basis. Brilliant. Thank you. So in terms of due diligence, let's take it from the investment point of view at the moment. So an investor has requested some due diligence as part of the funding process. Could you just outline a bit of the initial process that you would go through with the entrepreneur and the founding company? Yeah, so essentially it works in three phases, really. And the first one's the discovery phase, where we try and assess what we actually need to do more of a deep dive into. That usually starts with us sending out a list of questions, free-form answer questions, where we try and sort of drill down and work out what we need to take a deeper look into. After that, we've sort of discovered what we need to investigate, and we go and do that deep dive through interviews with key people in the company, through looking at code from a technology perspective, that's and product roadmaps, all, all technology engineering focused things as well. And once we've got everything collated that we need, we go and write up a report and share that with all parties afterwards. Real, thank you. Really interesting. So ha- typically that middle part where you're kind of having the face-to-face, doing the code walkthrough, how long might that take? So we've had it in a few different ways. Some we've actually just gone and done a trip up for the day, sat in their offices. We've had a whole schedule full of meetings, discussions, whether that's me and Rupert, whether it's other members of the team, all having having discussions with different people to try and get as good a picture as possible. We have also had it where it's taken a couple of weeks where usually a lot of Zoom calls are involved, lots of just trying to do those that's a schedule of meetings to actually get to the same point. Usually there can be a couple of follow-ups as well afterwards. So once we've done our day or we've done the bulk of the meetings, sitting down together, discussing what we've what, what's actually happened, and then any little bits of follow-up information we need to do. So typically you're looking at a couple of weeks, but we have done it in uh, shorter timescales where that's been able, where we've been able to go to, say, an office and do it all in a day. Yeah. The most recent took a couple of weeks. And one of the reasons for that was because they were a remote first company. So it just was harder to organize the Zooms or also time zone differences. So it took a little longer, but you know, two weeks would hopefully be the maximum. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. And then in terms of a report that then goes back to the investors, does it? So can you just talk to me a little bit about how you would structure that report and what type of things you would highlight in that? So typically, the report we don't actually send straight to the investor first. Once we've got our findings, once we've looked at what our recommendations would be, rather than having a very binary go-no-go, we have a rag status attached to these things where we just identify what we see as the level of risk with these things. We then actually walk through with the founder or the startup just to actually look at what, what's been discussed, make sure they understand what we've said, equally give them an opportunity to say, well, actually, that's not quite true. There's always the uh, opportunity for a misunderstanding, especially when you're working in quite a short timescale. So we always give you the opportunity to see what we're going to say. And then once we've had that walkthrough of the report, we then share that with the investor. Typically, we're like I say, we like to work at a fairly high level. Investors are busy people, and we want to try and get to the meat of what we're trying to say as quickly as possible. And that's where I'd like say the rag states of this is high risk, 
we see this as medium risk, we see this as low risk. And part of what we're trying to do is really interrogate sort of three key areas, which for me are the processes that the business has, whether that's onboarding, whether that's recruitment. Then obviously Rupert can talk more a little bit about what we look for in the tech. Mm-hmm. And then equally, we look at the team that's involved. That's both at a, from a technology perspective and mix of what, what technology is being used in the business and how they can support the product and also the senior leadership team in terms of actually leading the business and taking it forward. From an engineering focus, I would tend to try and do three things ordinarily. The first would be to sort of get an understanding of the design documentation for the product or services as they are at the minute to get a high level overview of what's going on. It's usually more useful to do that than to deep dive into individual files full of code just because it's easier to get an understanding of the product holistically from that. Then after that's been established, get an understanding of the product roadmap as well where are you planning to take this thing? What What's your three-month, six-month, one-year sort of timescale deliverables there? How are you going to improve what you've got according to, to try and meet your value proposition, really? And also the engineering processes afterwards. So how are you going to get there? You know, Have you got the processes in place for your teams to deliver on your roadmap, really? So I'd probably, if I was going to summarize that, I would say, what have you got now? Where are you going in the future? And how are you going to get there, basically? Bro, thank you. And in terms of the due diligence, obviously, we focus quite heavily on the the tech and the code, etc. Do you look at anything to do with the kind of commercial setup, sales plan, anything like that? Or is this very much focused on the tech due diligence? Like you say, Nairi, the focus really is on the technology. That's what we're good at. That's what we do day to day. But we are looking at how the business also feeds into that. So very much looking at something like your sales pipeline. If you've got a number of clients being on board in the next couple of months, going into what Rupert said, can the product actually enable that to be done? Does, is the team there to be able to support these people coming on board? Looking at new features you might want to be adding into your platform or onto your app. Have you actually got a team there that supports that and how that then can scale to enable the sales plan that you've got in place? Have you got, like, like we said, have you got the team available to actually onboard these people? Have you got the onboarding process set in terms of a client comes on board? When does the tech team know about this? How are they going to be able to interact? What do they need to do? So as a whole, everything ties together because as much as these things are tech products, they are businesses and both have to work to be able to make this go forward. And that's one of the things that we look at is the conjunction of business and technology to really drive businesses forward and make sure that from an investment standpoint, we know that that's going to be something which is sustainable in the future. Thank you. Really interesting. So in terms of if you had a few areas, quite a few areas that were highlighted red or you'd uncovered a couple of things that you thought were quite significant and posed a risk to the investment, what are the consequences of the entrepreneurs not not getting these right ultimately? Well, I think even before we get to that stage, if something's read in, in the report that's written up, there is a chance to have further discussion with the startup in question. Right. We don't necessarily want to give bad news right right <laughs> so if we've misunderstood something we want to clarify make sure that's actually the status rather than mm-hmm. just 
fire that off and not think about it. And I mean, the real consequence is in some cases that will mean that you don't get the investment round or the investors don't want to step into this. But like Rupert said, we're not, like I said earlier, we're not trying to trick people up with this. So we want to give you the opportunity to see what's been said. So it might be, well be the case that we've identified a big gap in senior leadership team. You might not have a CTO or you might be trying to just part cover that gap with someone who's part time. So it is a high risk thing to do, but it's something that can be mitigated fairly quickly and fairly easily. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to give you the answers of what to do with this, but if we identify you need a CTO and that's something that investors will look at and go, well, that seems fairly high risk in terms of looking at the strategy going forward. You then know the answer pretty much. We might need to look at the CTO role and trying to fill that or using something like a CTO as a service to be able to fill that gap. And then that will help the business scale. Mm-hmm. What we want to do is again, as much as most DDs are focused at an investment level, some startups do want this and it's how you identify the gaps and treat them the same way because what we want startups to do and part of the ethos of the startup factory is we want to see tech businesses grow and scale. So we want to point you at the gaps so you know what to do and how we'd advise you to do that. Well, thank you. And I suppose actually the more you you talk through this, I suppose the other thing it does is it you're bringing in a completely independent team of experts that perhaps either validate some of the thinking you already had or as a founder you're often too close to the tech or the the team aren't you so to have somebody come in and say actually you're not going to be able to grow now without bringing in a full-time CTO I think is really is probably really powerful because as we know founders live and breathe their startups so sometimes it's really difficult to see the wood from the trees. Yeah I think also we talked here about I think the most serious consequence is that investment wouldn't happen. There's a scale from from that to having no no issues at all from a DD. In the middle somewhere is, say, an investment that goes ahead but stipulates that you need to have a CTO as a service, for right. example. So I think, it, you know, I would suggest that not receiving an investment is unlikely. Yeah. yeah. A lot of times, like you say, Rupert, you get, it'll be stipulations or there might be changes to terms, but where it's like you said, Nairi, you get a lot of founders who are in the trenches day to day, sales calls, trying to manage every aspect of the business. So like you say, having that sort of come in and give that helicopter overview of where your business is, because you're so focused in driving potential things forward, usually sales, from our experience, that you you know, you're trusting people around you to do everything else and maybe they're that they've got small gaps that they're not aware of. And again, having that view to be able to look at oh, we've got a gap here we need to fill, we've got, we've got a risk around our technology. How are we going to do that? Or what's the best approach to doing that? And that's something that we've also advised on as well, as to when some of our DDs have gone through, actually we can provide the help and support people need to be able to do that. And the investors have been on board with us doing that as well. Thank you. And I suppose ultimately going back to the start of this podcast, we talked about fast growth, getting the foundations right and addressing the things that are highlighted in, in the due diligence all sets the the founder up either for a smoother funding round or speedier growth, which is ultimately what we're, we're trying to do, isn't it? Support as many founders and, and businesses as possible with the fast growth. Yeah, because at the end of the day, because like, we're not trying to trick people up and want startups to grow. 
it's really about accelerating you through because we're also looking at this from the startup factory perspective of we build MVPs. We know you're trying to do things quickly. You're trying to get to market. You're trying to scale. And really that first investment round is when you're looking at, I've got something and we're trying to scale it. So we understand what an MVP does. There are going to be gaps, which is why we're not trying to trip people up and why we want people to be able to move as fast as possible. And there are always going to be small gaps, but there might only be small risks. Mm. I mean, some things like maybe some integration points, maybe you're looking at going, what happens here if this suddenly turns off? It's always a risk there, but it's only a small risk. Or if you've got an on-site data center, you know, what happens if there's small issues here? They're only small risks. So really you can identify them and go, I know there might be something doing in the future, but it's not enough to stop an investment. And really then you can push forward, identify just the key gaps you need to fill for now, being aware of everything else, get that first round and then scale even faster. Yeah. And the team at TSF has the benefit of working both with small companies and also having the experience of working inside larger companies. So quite often in these reports, we'll say this aspect, it's not perfect, but for a business of this size, it's really good. Right, because it's just different risk levels yeah. for different companies. Bro, thank you. The other thing, actually, that that struck me as you were talking, just going back to that, getting the due diligence or looking at due diligence as a preemptive to investment. I think we know how difficult it's going to be to secure investment over the the coming year. You know, investors are going to be looking at multiple companies. Potentially, they're going to be making yes-no decisions about whether they engage with founders based on small minutiae, like things like have they, they haven't got a CTO, therefore I'm not going to have that conversation. So mm-hmm. perhaps it even does get you further on in the investment process in the initial stages, as well as kind of moving you through quite quickly. So really valuable. Thank you both so much. I think we've learned a lot around the investment process, but also from a funding point of view and and a growth perspective. I suppose finally, just to wrap up, if anybody does want to have a chat to you about due diligence and some of the things that, that we've talked about today, who's the best person, best best way of getting in contact? It's me. So if anyone wants to get in touch or wants to, wants to know a little bit more, we do have a page on tsf.tech, which is our website, all around due diligence under the what we do section. We have some of our case studies there. We have a brochure about what we do. If you want to get in touch, my email is jamesb at the startupfactory.tech. I'm sure Nari will put a link to my email below. But yeah, obviously, if anyone needs any advice, even thinking about, I'm at this stage, do I need to do DD? Feel free to get in touch. We can have a conversation. Brilliant. Really useful. Thank you, Rupert. Thank you, James. Really appreciate that. We will pop all the links in the description box. If you do want to get in touch with the Startup Factory, the Rupert or James, you'll be able to get in touch with them and find out a little bit more about due diligence. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining me. Thank you very much, Nairi. And thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Fast Growth Stories. Please remember to subscribe and review and visit the ehe.team website for the latest on fast growth and funding. Yeah.